I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. Hey, Mitch. Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, on the show today, we've got Mitch Tischler from the Washington Talk podcast. Thanks for coming on for a little bit. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Uh, I thought maybe we'd start with the offensive line today, do a little big fella talk. Of course, you know, that's my favorite place to start. I know it. So, uh, did I see that Christian and Martin uh, got the first group reps today? Yeah, so for the past two days, both those guys have uh, had the two uh, starting jobs on the left side, and Jaron Christian's looked uh, about as good as we've seen him look over the past uh, three years since he's been here in D.C., so... You know, maybe he took uh, the next step up and, and is ready to uh, ready to be the guy at left tackle. Yeah, I did, uh, looking back on it, I did not realize that Christian was the left tackle for Lamar Jackson. Yeah, he uh, he has a little experience playing uh, in front of a, a pretty good quarterback. No doubt. And, and Martin, the fourth rounder from Indiana, did not realize this either. You know, he gave up two sacks combined in the last two years he was there none in the junior campaign yeah he had uh he had the uh longest streak uh in the big 10 for an offensive lineman without giving up a sack um while he was at indiana and he was a fourth round pick and he was a guy who definitely needed a little bit of time to develop last year but uh he seems to have stepped into that role and and uh we talked about it a little bit on our podcast but uh i think he might be uh he might be solidifying that that left guard spot. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see as camp moves forward, uh, how those guys do, you know, the, the Washington football team's defensive line is one of the best of the NFL. So no better way, no better place to get those live reps than, than in practice against a bunch of first rounders from Alabama and Ohio state. Mitch, you there? You there? I got you. Yeah, yeah, I think we lost you for a minute there. Um, so Lucas and Schweitzer with the second team then? Yeah, um, Lucas and Schweitzer with the second team. Lucas hasn't looked particularly strong. Um, granted, some of those reps have come against uh, have come against Chase Young, who was working with the second team yesterday and I guess has a little bit of a hip flexor injury today, so um, didn't, pra- didn't practice in the 11-on-11 portion. But um, – Schweitzer is a guy who, who spent some time in Atlanta and on three different occasions, the Falcons had a chance to, to name him a starter or at least not even not bring in competition because they trusted him at guard. And each time they, they brought somebody in and, uh, and he got a lot of time behind those guys, but they had every opportunity to start him and, and kind of didn't. And he might be a good, you know, backup swing guard, somebody who can kind of step in and, and be a, a reliable, a reliable big body. I just don't know that he's the guy that you want to trust uh, in the starting rotation. Right. Now, he's a guy that, that this current group brought in, though, right? He's not a holdover. So Rivera would have seen him a couple times a year? Correct. Yeah, he would have seen him twice a year. Um, certainly has some 
familiarity with him. Uh, John Matsko, the offensive line coach, uh, certainly saw him across the field. So, yeah, it's from this coaching staff, and um, they clearly wanted to bring in a lot of competition, and they did that across the board. I think um, one of the things that we were saying a lot about Jaron Christian was that obviously he was picked by the last regime, so you didn't know how much the, the current guys were going to we're going to lean on him, but they're certainly giving him the work early and giving him an opportunity. Yeah. I've heard a couple of times the coaching staff bring him up as a guy that they have high hopes for. Uh, what, uh, any news on Sadiq Charles yet? He's not practiced. No. Um, all we heard was that it was a relatively minor thing from uh, coach Rivera yesterday and he wasn't out there today. Uh, not really any update to give cause we just don't have any information on it. Right. Yeah. And hard to hard to talk much about him when we haven't seen him in practice yet. Right. He's, uh, he has a you know, he has a he has a pretty good pedigree, obviously, um, being the starting left tackle at LSU. It's a it was an offensive line that won the uh, collegiate award for the best line in, in football. So, you know, he has a, he has a good pedigree. He's he's obviously played in front of Joe Burrow and, you know, has has seemingly every opportunity to be the starter here. Let's hope he can. They can figure out whatever this uh, little nagging injury is, and, and he can get out there. And we can see what he has. You expect him to be the starter out there by the time the season ends. It's hard to say. I, I to me, um, this season, the way that you look at everything that uh, Ron Rivera and the staff did during the off season and bringing in a lot of guys on one year deals, it's kind of a show me season. So for me, I think at a bunch of different positions, running back included, and and corner and whatnot. I want to see some of these young guys get opportunities to play and see if they're the guys that, that can help you win going forward. And um, Sadiq obviously is one of those guys, you know, Jaron, you only have under team control for one more year before you're going to have to pay him. You know, Sadiq, you got four more years, West Martin, you have three years. So, you know, you have a couple, couple opportunities to have some, some nice, uh, some nice young bodies on the starting offensive line. To that point, I know he's dropped a lot of weight. Do you think that the big Wahoo on the right side finishes the season as the starting right tackle? Yes. I'm pretty, pretty feel pretty confident that's his job. I mean, obviously I know there's a lot of consternation amongst fans about the offsides calls or the holding calls or whatever, but he's the, he's the best option that they have um, at right tackle. And He's the veteran of this line. You know, he's the guy that's, that's kind of leading the way for these guys. You, you see him, you know, talking to the guys off to the side during practice. Um, last year, especially during training camp, you saw him working after practice, you know, with, with the young guys on hand placement and technique and stuff like that. You know, not everything that, that, that not all of his value comes from uh, what happens, you know, uh, between the whistles uh, on the field. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Uh, do you think they'll give uh, 75 a large extension before it's all said and done? It's interesting. I don't know what the I don't know what large counts for. Um, but top five, top five guard money at least. Yeah, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. I think all this COVID stuff is going to mess with the salary cap and and what that looks like. So in terms of what those big money deals look like going forward, it's going to be interesting. I do think that. Um, this coaching staff wanted a chance to get to know their players before, you know, extending anybody and giving them that the big time money. And Ron has talked about how 
reliable Brandon is and, and how much he thinks that, you know, he helps this team. So I think that they're starting to get that familiarity and I think they're going to certainly try and lock them up, lock them up long-term. It'll be interesting to see what the numbers look like. Uh, for sure. And he's definitely the kind of guy that you can tell Rivera wants on the team. Absolutely. I mean, he wants those, those hard nosed workers, guys who are no nonsense. I think that's part of the reason Adrian Peterson came back. I think that's part of the reason that, you know, they love uh, Alex Smith being around the, around the facility. I think you see, you know, Thomas Davis coming in on the defensive side, Landon Collins, these guys who are kind of, you know, hardworking, no nonsense, don't, don't give any lip, don't take any S, and are ready to get out there and play. No doubt. Dave, uh, the team has an interesting mix that way, right? I, I think I saw that this is the youngest or second youngest team in the league. Uh, but we've also got a bunch of savvy veterans around. Yeah, I, I think that you, I think that they're trying to have a lot of show me contracts and a lot of guys, you know, step up and see who can help them win in the future. At the same time, as we all can can talk about the the culture in the air in the for the team has not been particularly strong per se, and uh, I think that um, that's why it was so important to keep guys like Adrian Peterson and and others around because they're culture builders and they're guys that you can learn from. One of my favorite Adrian Peterson stories was uh, we were setting up for an interview um, last year in November. You know, the season was, was all but, all but over with. And uh, he uh, came out to the uh, practice bubble and was, was running hundred yard sprints, um, you know, to, to keep himself in shape. And, and that's the kind of guy that, that you need who's going to put in that kind of dedication and that kind of work uh, for the team. For sure. I think I saw a, um, an article. Didn't he give McLaurin his uh, touchdown ball for the record because uh, McLaurin set the block for him? Exactly. It's, 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 it's things like that that set Adrian Peterson apart from, from other players and, and other, other veterans that, they, that, they've, that they've had in the past years. That, that and the fact that it doesn't hurt that he seems to get 1,000 yards no matter what happens. I mean, he's a stud. He's a guy that, that I, I, I refuse to question. He's an old man. He's one of the best, most uh, in-shape old men I've ever seen. And, and yesterday at practice, one of the early early down carries in the 11-on-11 drills, he put down a shoulder and absolutely ran over Cole Holcomb. And it felt like, you know, the old guy going out to the basketball court and, and swatting, you know, swatting the young guy who was, you know, right. dribbling the ball between his legs or whatever. It was just – it's it's incredible to see. It's it's really awesome. To that point, uh, it's been noted that there's a definite difference in the way they are conducting practice this year. Yeah, I would say it's a lot more um, crisp. There's a lot more. Uh, I wouldn't say necessarily hustling um, from between drills, but there's a, a lot less time between drills where guys are dancing or messing with their helmets or doing other things. I kind of equated it to um, a few years ago the Patriots came down and practiced, uh, did some joint practices with the Washington football team in Richmond. And the difference between that Belichick coach team and the Jay Gruden coach team were pretty stark. Um, and this is a lot closer to that Belichickian, you know, no nonsense kind of straightforward yeah. uh, types of practice. And, and there's an expectation that, you know, they're not going to waste time with the shenanigans that, you know, sometimes were had, you know, under previous regimes. I had actually heard that the New England players were stupefied 
at the way we were running practice at the time. I think there was, uh, I think there was, yeah, it was, it was a, the dichotomy was, was interesting. It was, it was super different. And after the first day of practices, you had a couple of the Washington football team players trying to, I guess, almost mimic what some of the Patriots were doing. But, you know, there was one group of like 10 players that were running sprints. And then there was another group of 10 players that were playing soccer and, you know, doing some other stuff. It just, the, the, the difference between the two teams was stark and, and, Obviously, the difference between the two franchises is is pretty pretty stark as well. No doubt. Is Ross Pierce Barker the backup Senator Ruye? It's actually interesting. Um, he was he certainly was the backup center last year. Um, this year, we've seen a lot more. Of, and granted, it's been two days, so you know, take it with a grain of salt. But yep. Keith Ishmael's been taking the second team center reps, and Pierce Baker's been taking the second team right guard uh, reps. So. It might be a situation where the team feels comfortable and they know that Pierce Baker can step in and be the backup center if necessary. And let's see what the young guy, the Keith Ishmael, has the fifth rounder from San Diego State. Um, but it, it's, uh, I think that you have a lot of guys who can play a lot of different positions. And that's one of the things that Ron Rivera has harped on is, is wanting guys with the positional versatility. And you're going to see a lot of these guys, especially on the O-line, who can play you know, guard and tackle or guard and center. And that way, you know, you can kind of use your roster spots uh, well and don't have to, you know, waste it on a single position type of guy. I might be higher on Ishmael than most, but I think he's got a chance to be the starter, if not by the end of this year, certainly going into the next year. Yeah, I don't know if he'll be the starter this year. Chase Rullier's got that that position pretty pretty well locked up. And as a sixth rounder, he's, you know, cost almost nothing. Um for this year and next year, but that doesn't mean that Ishmael can't, can't be, you know, a, a good center and, and be the guy that, you know, that takes Rulier's place, you know, whenever time for a contract comes back up, but Rulier also has played some guards. So, and we've seen the number of injuries that, that this franchise has had, especially across the offensive line. So who knows how things are going to shake out and where, uh, where the pieces may fall. Well, and to your point with the, with the COVID this year, I think the depth is going to be more important than any year in the past, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's hard to imagine that you're going to get through a season without having anybody who's going to have to miss games for it. So at that point, you got to have, you know, everyone jokes that the uh, NFL is a next man up league. But I think this year more than ever, it's really, uh, you know, you got to coach all 53 on your roster and, and make sure that everyone is ready to go as opposed to necessarily just your stop, your your top 22. Do we have any idea what this tight end room is going to look like by the time camp is done? No, I mean, sort of. I think we're starting to get <laughs> right. a feel for it. <laughs> um, Marcus Ball uh, has been um, has been the guy who's been taking the first team reps, and he's kind of really? a, a, a that's huge. The, a, that's the kid from Ohio State? Yeah. He's a kid who had a little experience with uh, with Dwayne Haskins. We were joking that Dwayne's starting to put together uh, uh, Buckeye East to, right. to match uh, Bama to, to match Bama North. So you have a defense that has all the Bama dudes and and offense, which is looking like uh, a bunch of uh, Ohio State guys. But Marcus Ball is a is a big dude, and uh, he he seems to move pretty well. He catches the ball. The other guy I think is Logan Thomas. I think those are the two guys who are going to get the majority of the, at least right now is what it's looking like. 
Um, Thaddeus Moss obviously is a big name that people are excited about as an undrafted free agent out of LSU. Um, we didn't see him do much yesterday. Today, we saw their uh, their tight end coach kind of get in his ear in some individual drills. So I think you can see that there's you know some growth that needs to happen there. Um, so I think that the, the tight end room is probably going to look something like that. Marcus Baugh, Thaddeus Moss, Logan Thomas. You also have Richard Rogers and Jeremy Sprinkle was a holdover. And I think he's one of those guys that might be, you know, just a holdover for now and, and might not make this roster. So really, there's, yeah, it's Jeremy Sprinkle Maybe was, I'm... you know, the, the previous, you know, Jay Gruden liked his tight ends to be like Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis you know, who were pass catchers and had the ability to line up, you know, in the slot and, and outside. And Jeremy Sprinkle was kind of the antithesis to that. And that he was a big body, he was a, a good blocker, and then, you know, could sort of catch the ball a little bit sometimes. In 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 this training camp, he's probably the smallest of the three between Logan Thomas, Marcus Ball, and, and Jeremy Sprinkle. So uh, and he's probably the has the worst hands of the group. So if he's going to set himself apart, it's going to be in his blocking. And I don't know that I don't know that his blocking is going to be, you know, that far ahead of the other yeah. guys to make up for the other insufficiencies. Maybe I've just been higher on Sprinkle than some. And I thought it was interesting. I had a cousin that went to uh, Virginia Tech, and he was reminding me the other day that Logan Thomas was actually a quarter or a tight end coming out of high school. I think a premier tight end coming out of high school. And when he got to Virginia Tech, of course, they uh, they didn't have a quarterback. And because he was such a freak athlete, they just asked him to make the move. I didn't know that. That's a great little nugget. Um, he's a – I was talking to some friends who watched him at Virginia Tech the other day, and he is a huge body. I mean, thinking of him at quarterback is like, you know, having Cam Newton at quarterback. He is right. – he's enormous. So, uh, certainly it makes a lot of sense and, and – Let's see. Uh, he had a nice diving catch yesterday uh, in 11 on 11s, and it's kind of early, but that's definitely one of the positions that you know we're keeping an eye out on because there's so much there that you know there's so much question marks there that, that we don't really know what to do. Yeah, I had seen that uh, McDermott up in Buffalo commented on uh, Logan from his time there that he thought the best comp was a speedier Greg Olson. So if we're anywhere close to that, I guess we're looking good. And we know what Scott Turner and and uh, Ron Rivera did with uh, with Greg Olson. So certainly that'd be that'd be a pretty fantastic find if they're able to to make him that kind of player. That's right. Uh, one last thing before I let you go, and I really appreciate your time today. Uh, the greatest PB and J on the sandwich: two Eggo waffles. Go for the Reese's creamy peanut butter. No. Strawberry preserve. You're a crunchy guy and oh not a uh, creamy this guy. Is, this is this is terrible. It's gotta be crunchy and it's gotta be great. Those are the those are the hallmarks of a great PB and J. I'm good with uh, getting out of the box and, and doing a Lego uh, 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 Eggo waffle, but man, you gotta go crunchy and you gotta and you gotta go uh, great. We we had done so good, my friend. I know. I don't always know. strawberry preserves with the little pieces of strawberry in there. I can do the crunchy, but always upgrade to the Reese's. And I think they only do smooth. What, what kind of crunch are we going with here? Uh, I'm a Jif man. That's my, that's my favorite of the, of the crunchies. I mean, to me, 
I want my sandwich to have a little bit of a little bit of texture to it, a little bit of bite. And maybe if you're going with a waffle, 